Hey, InterVarsity alumni. This is After Four, your podcast for navigating life after graduation. This is both an exciting and potentially tricky transition that you're making, and you might feel a little unsure about the coming weeks and months. We're here to provide you with expert advice, practical skills, and plenty of encouragement as you learn how to keep saying yes to Jesus in your new context. This is After Four, and this podcast is for you, alumni. What's up, alumni? Welcome to After Four, your podcast for navigating life after graduation. I'm your host and guide, John Steele. Question for you, what does it take to have a strong finish to your academic career? Is it solid preparation for finals? Is it getting that thesis written and defended? Is it having your next apartment lined up or securing a job? I figure it could be any of those things in part, but have you considered that a strong finish might also include ending well with the friends and relationships that you have on campus? What does it mean to prepare relationally for the big transition that you're about to experience with the people you've spent countless hours with over the last few years? How do we prepare to say goodbye? This week, we're talking about ending well with our campus relationships, and we're joined by Emily Francis. Emily is an assistant regional director with InterVarsity in Virginia, and she has done so much work over the past few years to help InterVarsity alumni like you make the transition to life after graduation. Emily has some phenomenal advice around how to prepare well personally and with your community for this big relational transition, and I'm excited for you to hear it. So here's Emily. And this one's for you, alumni. Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yes, I'm so excited to have you here. I'm looking forward to our conversation for helping us really kind of kick off this series that we're that we're talking about relational transition as we step into this post-graduation life. Uh, but Emily, before we get into some of those things, would you just give us a quick introduction, help us get to know you a bit before we get started? Yeah, so I grew up in Fairfax, Virginia, outside Washington, D.C., and came to the University of Virginia for college, which is where I first encountered InterVarsity. I probably, like many people, went to an Ivy event thinking it was sports related, maybe Christians, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, got involved in a small group. And it really was a huge part of my time in college. It was highly transformative, just had a profound impact on my time in college. And then my senior year, I was trying to figure out what to do next, had never in my life considered (laughs) ministry, in fact, was pretty opposed to it. And it's a whole other story that I call my Jonah story, (laughs) where I started hearing this call to ministry and ran from it as hard and long as possible and couldn't couldn't escape the word of the Lord. (laughs) And so, um, yeah, ended up saying yes to staff my senior year. And wow. it really has just been a, an incredible experience. Um, so from there, I went and did an intern year at a community college and then ended up accepting a campus staff placement back at UVA, so my alma mater, okay. and have, was the staff at UVA for four years. And then last year, transitioned into a new role with InterVarsity in our region as the Assistant Regional Director of Staff Development and Fundraising. Emily, tell us just a little, a little bit further introduction here. Tell us a little bit about your experience engaging with, with uh, students who are about to graduate, our young alumni, and helping them prepare for life after graduation. 
So when I graduated, like I said, I did an intern year at a community college and it was almost three hours away from Charlottesville where I'd gone to school and where most of my friends actually stayed and took jobs after college. So my experience was leaving this place where, you know, I knew everyone. I still had friends that were an undergrad and I moved to a city where other than my staff trainer, I knew absolutely no one. I moved in with randos that, uh, that was a hard roommate experience and I was incredibly lonely. Uh, so helping students do that transition well and knowing that loneliness and navigating long distance friendships, that was a big part of my story. So when I came back to UVA, I really wanted to help students do that better. I, I was just started hearing from these alumni and, and again, had felt that in my own story of, okay, there's some loneliness here. There's some ways we are missing a key discipleship piece of our mission statement, which is not just mm. to disciple them in the college, but to disciple them well out of it. Yes, absolutely. Wow. Emily, you've alluded to a couple of these things already, but as we think about this series and relational transition in particular, when we graduate, um, handling old relationships and new relationships and the changes that come along with those, today we're talking about ending well. What does it look like to end well with relationships on campus? And in our chapters. And so when you think back to your own post-graduation life, that time of the beginning of that time of transition, you've spoke, you've spoken about this just a little bit already. But did you do you feel when you look back, do you feel like you ended well on campus? And if so, like how did that happen? If not, what are the reasons that it, it felt to you like it you didn't end well? Yeah, that's a great question. And there were definitely some wins and there were also some misses. Uh, I would <laughs> yeah. say uh, I had a mentor, someone, um, not my IV staff, someone else who really encouraged me to think intentionally about the friendships I wanted to keep up with after college mm. to name who are my people, probably less than five that I really care about and want to almost make a game plan with for what keeping up after college looks like. And so I have two best friends from college. I lived with them all four years, uh, Carolyn and Rachel. And we set a date. We set like a friend date um, at a a restaurant. We went out and we um, set aside a couple hours to just talk about what how is our friendship going to look after college? Uh, And we talked about what does it mean to keep up with each other? What are our expectations? And then we actually did make a game plan for with me moving three hours away and both of them staying in Charlottesville. How are we going to keep up? And we set a weekly phone call date on Monday nights for an hour and actually kept to that that whole year I was gone, which is crazy. And I think at the time... I just knew that I wanted to talk to them a lot. I didn't realize that I was actually putting in place a really key structure that would support Mm. me through a lot of loneliness and hardship during that year. And there were friendships I didn't set that up with and I didn't keep up with them as well as I thought. But when I look back on that, especially that first year out, I remember that Monday night phone call and just the relief of knowing my friends are going to call me and we are going to have a chance to catch up. Beyond that, there were people, like I said, that I didn't make a plan with or didn't really talk to or emotionally process with and uh, didn't make that clear, that clarifying point with. And so we just really never talked again, even though we wanted to or someone, you know, just didn't pick up the phone a couple times and you just assume, I guess they don't want to keep up. And that was kind of the end of it. So some wins and some misses for sure. 
Yes. Gosh, that's I mean, I wish that I had had that kind of mentorship and just that sort of a framework. That sounds like that sounds really beneficial. I when I think back to my time of graduating from undergrad in particular, I mean, what comes to my mind was just this growing sense of the imminent end of getting to spend every day with my closest friends. And, but I, but I don't really remember considering how things would change and how hard it would really be once they did change. And I mean, honestly, there are some places even today that I find myself still mourning the loss of some of those friends that I feel like I didn't prepare well for. Yep. And that I think I would actually be re- still really close with today had I taken some of those steps. So my hope is, as we talk today, maybe we can help people have more of those wins that you shared uh, and fewer of the losses um, or to prepare well for the losses that will inevitably happen. There will be losses that we'll experience. But, you know, how can we prep well for that? Yeah. And I think there's so much about the transition that requires intention. Like that's the word we always come back to as we're helping seniors process the transition out of college a lot of what's really disarming about going into adult life and post-grad is that everything just takes more effort and more time Mm. and even more thought ahead of time. And so as we were, as I was coming back into staff and thinking about how do we disciple students better through that transition, just helping them understand how to be intentional, like we're talking about with friendships, with church finding, with finding a new community after college, preparing them for the work it's going to take to have that be a thing in their first or second year out. Yes, definitely. It it requires a a thoughtful, a thoughtful approach. Uh, The the sort of happenstance stumbling into it, like how I would label my story was more stumbling, stumbling into the end. So I'm, I'm hopeful that as we chat, we can sort of help set that that expectation for what does it mean to be thoughtful about relationships as you move into this time of transition and and before we jump into like some specific skills um let's take just one step backward for a second and even just define a little more clearly what we mean when we talk about ending well i think the word that comes to mind when i think about what it means to for us to end well as seniors and to help others do that is gratitude you talked mm. about just kind of stumbling forward. I think it's really easy in, <laughs> in any season of life, but especially in college, you're just kind of stumbling for the next thing. You're like, oh, this friendship just kind of landed in my lap or we just yeah. did lunch together every week because we had a class together. You just end up with these people or in these situations and then suddenly you're graduated and everything changes or you're in a new city. And it is hard to know what life after college is going to be and what relationships you're going to keep up with. And, and so I think the first step is just to honor the relationships Mm. and friendships you had during college, whether that was a friend you had for a season of college, but aren't, aren't keeping up with even at graduation or some really close friendships that someone's moving across the country and you're not sure if you'll see them again. I think we just start with a posture of thankfulness for Mm. what that friendship was and how the Lord used that to grow us uh, in that season. I set aside time to just get coffee with them, not in a like, you know, <laughs> grieving goodbye way, but just, uh, yeah. hey, I don't know if we're, our paths are going to overla- overlap again, but let's just reminisce and honor some memories. And I just want to yes. say thank you for how you have helped me see the Lord in this way or helped me grow in this way. Like, this is who you have been to me. And, and that just 
I think creates more peace and a different posture as we go forth from college instead of, like we said, just sort of stumbling forward and realizing, oh, I had all these friendships and I haven't really kept the pieces and now I feel guilt and I didn't honor what that was. Mm. Um, so that, that's the first step I would say of ending well. Obviously, there's a lot more there. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it sounds like there's a there's an element of ending well is taking stock and considering like who are the people that I've been connected to and what does it look like to uh, to purposefully honor those connections. And that if yeah. you can do both of those things that you are you are charting a course for ending well. And uh, uh Emily, I don't know if you're a uh, I don't know if you're an office fan or not, but Very it, much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It makes me think of, hopefully everybody who's listening knows what I'm talking about as well, but either way, it makes me think of the epi- of like Michael's last moments in the office that that last episode is him like purposefully trying to have a moment of connection with each person in the office. He recognizes yeah. like I've shared a really important part of my life with these people. Mm-hmm. What does it look like to take stock and to honor that and to have a moment with each one of them that is meaningful for the thing that we shared together? Yes. And I love that example too, because he meets everyone where their friendship is at. Like he has a silly interaction with Oscar. That's very funny. (laughs) And then he has a really emotional moment with Jim. And so he, it's not like we have to go and cry and lay our hearts out before every person we've had a relationship with in college. But if there are people that come to mind as you're kind of thinking through the transition, you know, I'll, I'll encourage my seniors to just really, I like literally write down in a journal, who do you want a, a one-on-one or a, a one more yeah. group hangout with? And how can you even build some affirmation and, and thankfulness into that time? It helps with the closure that sometimes mm. we don't get when we just slide into graduation and then it's summer and then we start a job and we realize we didn't fully spend time emotionally processing the transition. So just creating some emotional space to process that early on, I think is all part of helping us to end well. So Emily, we, I think we've, you know, even just as we talk about sort of taking stock and having this time of thankfulness and stepping in, we're starting to answer the next couple of questions in really nice practical ways. But I, I'd like to dig in a little further. And that's just as we think about the process of preparation, two sides of the coin here. Are there some disciplines or things like that that would be helpful for me to consider or for, for the individual to consider? But then also, are there some good communal practices to consider mm-hmm. that will help us prepare? well on on both sides of that conversation yeah um there's there's a lot of things i could say i think uh there is like please make space to emotionally process with the lord the transition Mm. i do not like being sad i do not like hurt feelings (laughs) and i suppress those things like through graduation i would i did not want to cry i did not want to think about how hard this was And it just came pouring out in the middle of summer and in late fall. And uh, it's worth it. It's worth it to make some time, whether that's journaling or taking a retreat day or even just having a... We we encourage our fourth years to do kind of a senior night where they just literally talk about how are you feeling about the transition after college and how... What are you excited about? What are you nervous about? How can you be supported? And I think answering those questions helps us crack open the emotions a little bit and and do some of that earlier on, especially when we're surrounded by safer people. And then for practices, I mean, I really would encourage people to sit down and with 
I call them the non-negotiables, the friendships that you don't want to leave to chance, whether or not you keep up with them. Like they mean so much to you that it it is worth saying, we are going to figure out even at our own cost of time over the next year, like we are going to figure out how to keep up. It's probably not more than five people. It might even just be one. (laughs) I'm saying, who do I want to have a conversation with that involves making a plan for how we're going to love each other and keep up in the next two years and hold and Mm. giving each other permission to hold one another to that. I usually encourage seniors to just think about one or two people that they want to sit down and have that explicit conversation with like how much, how often are you going to, are you going to keep up? When are you going to try to see each other and how frequently, how often do you want to do phone calls? Can you give each other permission to say if you're feeling lonely or if a friendship is feeling neglected? Mm. Um, I just think that is such a crucial practice and we don't teach each other that and we don't learn that in college. And there's a lot that is really hard and lonely about the transition after. So would highly encourage emotional processing and would highly encourage some pretty honest conversations with a few key people that you can make a game plan with. Yeah. And something I really like about that is that also feels like preparation for what the next round of your relationships are really going to look like in adulthood. Mm. And that's that, you know, we've lived in this season of time where friendship and doing stuff can just happen very organically. And yes. so anytime that we're really like planning ahead or what it feels like this forced kind of experience. But there is also we are now stepping into a season of life where we have to be much more intentional. And it is shocking how much planning will go into just sitting down for a cup of coffee with a friend. And like that, yeah. that's just your new reality. <laughs> and so so setting this in motion with the people that you want to maintain friendships with is really good training for what maintaining friendships in the future is really going to look like. Yeah, absolutely. I think we don't prepare college students well to expect that, even though it is totally normal. So a friend that you saw every day for lunch suddenly might become a once a month or every other month phone call. And like a once a month phone call in adult life actually feels kind of frequent. That's really frequent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I have friends I talk to twice a year that I never would have thought, you know, we were we were besties. We did everything together. And even just twice a year now being almost 30, it's like, that's actually great. I still feel like they're a part of my life and we keep up, but that just takes such a, that's a, such a huge transition. And so helping students anticipate that and saying, you know, even if you and your best friend only do a phone call once a month, that's actually really good. That is still going to support you through the next year. Emily, you've already given a really nice framework, I think, for the friends that you do decide to like, okay, we're going to we're going to stick out this transition together. We are committed to this. Uh, People can rewind even, I think, to your introduction of talking about your friendship experience there and really, I think, have a nice a nice framework for, okay, I'm going to take this. I'm going to tweak it for what fits for me and I'm going to implement this for uh, the people that we want to maintain relationships with. What I what I want to know, though. What I'm what I'm thinking about in relationship to that, though, is the sort of ratio of time given to mm. maintaining and, and nurturing those relationships compared to the friendships and relationships that we want to build in the space that we're in. And and there, there's I mean, there's a lot of reasons that I'm asking this, but I'm thinking back to a conversation that we actually had on the podcast not that long ago where um, 
Jason Gabry was uh, was our guest and we were talking about loneliness and he was talking about that like the research actually shows that if you are going through a challenging time that being able to engage with and confide in somebody who is right there like in the room physically with you even if you don't know them that well actually is more beneficial for your kind of recovery and adaptability and managing anxious or difficult situations, it's more beneficial a lot of the time than calling somebody up on the phone or jumping on FaceTime and share even even if you know them better. So so that's really interesting to me that just being mm-hmm. present with someone you don't know well in the room can have that much of a benefit. So can you just speak a little bit to how do we balance that well? Like how do we nurture both of those alongside of each other well? I think I'll I'll start by just cautioning against the extremes and maybe we can hold the nuance mm. in the middle a little bit. Yes, but that's I, great. I think what we're not called to do is to only maintain friendships from the past and to not be present and kind of putting roots down where we are. And scripture talks a lot about putting roots where you are and loving mm. your neighbor and, and being where you are. And so I think there's a pretty clear call that even if you leave college with 10 best friends that you talk to every month, that's not an excuse or a cop out of, of actually finding a church in the place you are, finding a community and investing in new friendships. So to some extent, I think we're always called to that. And if we ever feel like our capacity from past friendships is so filled that we don't have the capacity to pour into new ones, uh, I think that's a good indicator that we probably mm. need to reevaluate And then I think the other extreme, the other thing we're not supposed to do is just cut ties in every season. And just, I, you know, I know people where it feels like where they are is where they are, but a friendship won't last the transition to a new place. And so they have a really hard time maintaining friendship season to season. I won't go so far as to say that's not biblical, but I I do think there's something beautiful about friends that have seen us through multiple seasons and transitions that are beyond just the people that are sitting right in front of us. So those are those are the extremes that I would say we're we're probably should be avoiding. I think for each person the ratio is going to be a little different, but do you have the space you need to be able to press in and find a new community and new friendships um, and to be intentional with the ones you want to keep up with. As with everything that we've talked about, this requires being intentional, being thoughtful. I mean, just being aware and taking stock like, okay, am I leaning too heavily in one direction or the other? Uh, Are there places where my expectations for one group or the other is not realistic? And that's actually an expectation that I should be looking for in the other group. And, you know, and also recognizing that people on both sides of that are also going through their own versions of this. And that like many of the people I'm wanting to connect with in a new space would be people my age who maybe are have also gone through that transition. And like, okay, I need to give them some grace as they have challenging experiences getting to know people. And also my friends that I know from back home or from from school they're also going through this process and I need to give them space Uh, because I could imagine that there might even be places of jealousy or like, Mm -hmm. gosh, this person has brought up this small group that they've got in their new town that they just love. And A, I haven't found that yet. And B, it feels like they're kind of sucking up some of my time with this friend that used to be just for me. And like, wow, that's a lot to process through. Yes. 
Oh my goodness. I, I want you to say all that again. <laughs> I feel like the transition out of college, I might've said this earlier, but it is just such an opportunity for insecurity and in comparison to get a stronghold because everyone does the transition out of college differently and at different paces. And honestly, everyone is lonely at some point, either that year out of college or in their 20s. And it's just this lie that I think Satan loves for us to believe that it's just me. It's just me who didn't keep up with the friendship or that hasn't mm. made friends fast enough in my new city or hasn't found the perfect church. And like so much about that transition is challenging. And like I said, just takes a lot of grace and patience. and there is just such a temptation to believe like everyone is doing it better than me. And so I just want to say that to everyone listening who's transitioning, like there is not a right way to do life out of college. Just please give yourself a lot of grace and know that, yeah, everyone is going through that and navigating it differently and is struggling with, with that transition and the comparison and the loneliness at different points. Emily, this, uh, Gosh, we've talked about so many great things here, but I, I want to leave space for two fi- two final things. You can answer them however you want to. Uh, one is, do you have a final piece of advice that you would give to somebody who is looking towards graduation or maybe who is just in this season of life after graduation? Um, and it can be related to relational change. It can be relate. It can be a totally different thing, whatever you'd like to do. And then do you have any resources that you can point people towards if they'd like to keep digging into some of these things? Yeah, I, I would say try to find a mentor or discipler as soon as you can in the transition out of college. And in fact, don't be afraid to advocate for that for yourself. Uh, one of the things that I think shocks a lot of young adults as they go into the bigger church is that discipleship isn't like it is in inner varsity. I think yes. it's kind of a, a given that some older person is going to say, can I disciple you? And you just suddenly get coffee every week. That's actually not as a practice as it should be. I think in the bigger church, like we, I wish it was that way, but it's just not. And so, yeah, I think finding a mentor or someone older in a different stage of life than you who can be alongside you in this transition in your younger years of your 20s is is always worth it. It is so good. Find someone and ask someone to say, hey, can you, would you mind just like meeting up with me every other week? Like I am really having a hard time or I just want someone to help me process friendships and my spiritual life with the Lord. And you might have to, that's kind of defining discipleship for them. Uh, I have a mentor who had never done that before, but I just said, hey, this is kind of what I'm looking for. Would you want to yeah. go on a walk? And we've been going on a walk every week for like three years uh, wow. and it has, it's life changing. <laughs> and I, I just think it's so worth it. Emily, are there any places that our alumni can go to kind of connect with more resources to keep walking through, whether it's relational transition or just transition in general to life after graduation? Are there, is there anywhere that you would point people to? I mean, I love the, you've probably talked about this on the podcast. I love the after college book by Absolutely. Eric. Reese. I think it's yes. great. And the InterVarsity blog has a whole series called um, Just Tell Me What I Need to Know After College that is great, has a lot of articles, I think even by people that you've had on the podcast. So I know that InterVarsity has, is putting out more and more resources on it. I wish there were more for people. Um, I, this podcast is great. <laughs> thanks, yeah. for, thanks for doing <laughs> oh, it. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, please listen to the podcast. Uh, yes, that's great. I'm trying to remember. Okay, hold on. Give me one moment to gather myself here. Oh, yeah. Um, we So uh, let's see here. It would have been 
the time you're listening, it would have been like eight or nine months ago, we had Katie Schnack on the, on the podcast who wrote the gap decade. And yes, that was, yeah. that was a fantastic, if you want a book that will help you laugh in the midst of <laughs> the, the challenges of transition, read the gap decade. That is another book in addition to after college, for sure. That book is fantastic. Uh, I, I wish that I'd had both of those books when I was transitioning to life after graduation. Same. So Same. yes, yes. Fantastic <laughs> resources. Emily, thank you so much for joining us today, for walking us through uh, for, through these things and honestly just giving us some really practical things that, uh, you know, young alumni can sit down and they can, they can start to make a plan for what it looks like to make this transition uh, to this relational transition as they move to life after graduation. So I'm super grateful for your wisdom, your experience and, and just, yeah, the, the, the things that you've brought in this conversation. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, John. It was a joy to be here. And I'm really passionate about helping seniors graduate well. So thanks for having me on. All right. My takeaways from this conversation with Emily. First, begin with gratitude. Take stock of the diverse relationships that you've built on campus and spend time recognizing them and thanking God for them. Second, decide who you need to connect with from that list before you graduate. Which of those conversations will be focused on making a plan for staying connected? And which of them will be more about blessing one another into the next season of life? Third, be intentional about the plans to stay connected. Actually set up a framework that you can all depend on and then have grace and patience with the process together. Fourth, leave room to connect with new people after you graduate, but also lean into the relationships that you're maintaining from campus. Don't let yourself get caught up in either extreme and forget to make space for one or the other. And finally, invite Jesus into every step of this process with you. It's so easy to feel alone, to get jealous, or to feel shame as you find this new relational balance. Jesus is your source of hope and security, not any relationship new or old. Friends are going to come and go, or your relationship with them is going to change in one way or another, but Jesus is constant. Everything you need to sustain you through this part of transition can be found in him. Lean into that and explore this new season with the confidence that comes from knowing that Jesus is walking through every step with you, even as you say goodbye to your friends on campus. Emily, thank you so much for helping us develop this framework. I think we've only just begun to tap into the knowledge that you have on the topic of post-graduation transition, so I hope you'll come back and share more of that with us. Alumni, be sure to come back next week for my conversation with Dr. Brian Loritz, teaching pastor at the Summit Church and author of Enduring Friendships, Sticking Together in an Age of Unfriending. Dr. Loritz and I are going to talk about the next phase of relationships and one that I know you're thinking a lot about, making lasting friends after graduation. Thanks for tuning in, and I will see you in the after, alumni. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today, alumni. If there was anything that you learned, really enjoyed, or that encouraged you from today's episode, would you send us a DM or tag us in a story? We'd love to hear about it. You can find us at After4Pod on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, take just a second to unlock your phone and subscribe to the podcast. If your platform lets you, leave us a rating and a review. And if you like what we're doing here, share us with your InterVarsity or other post-graduation friends. Thanks again for listening, and 
I will see you in the after, alumni.